What's up, everyone? Welcome in to Sports 1140 KHDK. How you feeling? How was your weekend? A little bit go on? I think so. Quite a bit of news going on, and of course, we're going to cover that here today. I'm Jason Ross. Glad you're here with us. Golden One Center tonight, Kings basketball. Another new era of Kings basketball. Yeah, we will be getting into that. The Alvin Gentry era begins. We will discuss the dismissal of Luke Walton today on the show. We also will talk about where the Kings are. They got this game tonight at home against Philadelphia. Uh, the homestand continues. The team has really, really fallen off the wagon here and just completely fallen apart. But a new night and uh, new opportunities. So we'll get into that. We got to get into the uh, the change there uh, with the announcement yesterday. We also have to talk about some good things. And one of those good things, the 49ers. Man, that's exactly what they needed to do yesterday is go across country make few mistakes, and take care of a team that you should beat. And they showed it that way. That's the way they looked. That was their aura about them. They looked confident. They played mistake-free, and they dominated the game. We'll get into that. Then there's the Raiders. Not so much. Not so much the same success for them. So all that being said, it was was quite a weekend. And uh, looking forward to uh, recapping a lot of it, certainly a lot of the Kings news, and during the show as well, we're going to have one last pair, of four, a four-pack of tickets to see Sacramento State take on UC Davis in basketball. That's the Golden One Center tomorrow. For tickets and more information, visit khdk.com. We're going to give those away a little bit later here in the show as the causeway of basketball will take place. So, yeah, an eventful weekend um, for me, getting a chance to call another Causeway Classic. Always fun. Headed over to UC Davis. Great crowd. Great turnout. Um, so much hype, so much anticipation for the game. Ended up not being the most competitive of games, but a win for Sacramento State. They won the Big Sky title. UC Davis also made the playoffs. And if you saw the brackets or selection to Sunday, that was uh, yesterday. The Hornets are in. They're the four seed. They'll have a bye. The Aggies are in. They have to travel on the road to take on South Dakota State. And if they win, it'll be the Causeway Part 2. UC Davis and Sacramento State could be playing a week from Saturday. If not, it'll be the Hornets and South Dakota State. So that went on. Uh, If you listen to me for any amount of time, you know I'm a a UCLA fan, a huge UCLA fan. So to see them put 62 on the board on USC was pretty sweet on Saturday as well. It's been a down season for the Bruins, certainly for the Trojans as well. But when you can beat your rival, that always makes makes it fun. So that part was all fun. It got us into uh, Sunday, which... Uh, gave us uh, lots of news. And so kind of with that said, let's do it. Let's start you out with First Things First. First Things First. First Things First. Well, the news there is right here with the Sacramento Kings. And a brutal, I mean brutal performance Friday, followed by a three-quarter competitive game against the Jazz and then a meltdown in the fourth quarter. And yesterday it was announced, it was official, that the Sacramento Kings had parted ways with head coach Luke Walton. I have so many thoughts on this. I'll get some here in First Things First and obviously much more throughout the show. Also, should let you know that uh, Dave Deuce Mason, he'll be out at the arena with me here at uh, 5 o'clock, and we will talk about this and all things Kings as well as he will join me before we get you to game night and then uh, Kings Live pregame and the G-Man on the call. But with all that said, um, you know, something it was, I mean, look, it's not right. It's not right right now with the Kings. They were at 1.5 and 4. And they've won one game since. And it's frustrating to watch. I've told you my belief on this team. I think the way it was identified early, 
and I'm going back to preseason, even early season on who the key players were to play, um, the style that it looked like they were playing, and the competition around them, I did think, and they still can reach the things I suggested, but certainly right now they've gone completely the other direction. I think this could be a playoff team. I think this could be a team that wins 44 games or even more based on the personnel they even have, even with flaws in the roster. There are flaws here. We can't we can't let lose hope on that or lose sight on that. But something when you're going this poorly and with the pressure to make the playoffs, and I'm sure pressure from the top, from ownership, all the way down to general manager Monty McNair to, you know, last year, two nine-game losing streaks. I'm sure it was very shaky and wobbly for Luke Walton. My thought on that is once Monty McNair came in the offseason, who didn't hire Luke, so that's where you already go, okay, Luke's going to be on thin ice just because the Vladi Divots hired him. Vladi's no longer here, so Monty evaluated, saw Luke, and was more than comfortable in bringing Luke back, endorsed him, endorsed most of the roster that came back. So that to me, and shame on me if I got fooled, but I thought on based on continuity, based on how many players are back that are going to play meaningful minutes this season, that all these close games that they would likely be in, they would have learned. They would have figured out. That's why you go through that the last two years. And, okay, you can rationalize, well, yeah, De'Aaron's young, or uh, they're new still with Rashawn Holmes. Harrison Barnes is new to the mix. That was all old stuff. They've played so many minutes together, so many games together. Same with Buddy. There's not that. There's, they're really not young. They've really been experienced together, and I thought that word I was using was continuity was really going to help. So with a general manager uh, approval, stamp of approval, and then the way the team was played in the preseason, certainly the start of the season, I said, yeah, this is the look to me of a playoff team. Then they hit a rough patch, and this rough patch is bad, and it's context. I, I don't know that you can have the same record and us feel good about you, but you could have the same record and feel better if I can if I can word it that way. I mean, the the Toronto game was so bad that you, you that was the game after the passion plead speech by Tristan Thompson, and for the first six seven minutes, it looked different. It looked like a sense of urgency that they were all in, that they were fighting, and then Toronto punched back and the Kings crumbled. Absolutely crumbled, fell apart, fell off the map and got run out of their own building and was as disappointing a game as I've seen in a long, long time. I know that's recency bias. We could have a list of a bunch of those. But based on what I thought they had, based on some guys stepping up to speak up, also keep in mind, if this is a coach, I'm speaking of Luke Walton, that the players say they love, that's the performance you come out with. So... They get blown out. Fire Luke chants are going on. I, I mean, I don't like that. I, I personally like Luke. It's not about liking someone. But then you have the next night where you compete for three quarters with Utah, and then you lose in the fourth quarter, and, and they run away from you. Um, so it just felt like, to me, this is just a change. It's a change. It's something different. Alvin Gentry, proven coach. He's been around the league. But he's been here. The, the players have heard his voice. He's not the last voice. He will be now. I don't know what will be different. That's something to watch. That's something we're going to talk about. But let's hear a little bit from Monty McNair, who had a press conference yesterday. And we're going to have more throughout the show. But here's one of the things he was reciting about uh, 
why they felt they needed to do this. Yeah, I think we, we uh, at the beginning of the year, we were 5-4. and four. We, we thought we could be even better with how we had played. We didn't finish a few games there. Um, the last eight games have, have not been that. And uh, you know, that prompted the change. And I think we have the, the talent. Um, we've shown that we can to do that. And uh, so we're going to get back to that. And, and uh, Alvin's going to going to be the guy to lead us there all right so comments from monty obviously reciting earlier when they were five and four and thought they could be even better than uh that record at that time so the kings to me and when we hear more of monty what i got from him was you know last year they weren't going to accept another nine game losing streak well they're right they're basically looking at that in a one and seven here of what they've been after being five and four. So yeah, it's not nine in a row, but one and seven with what everybody would deem was a winnable road trip. Let's say that. So they missed opportunities. Now they're in a more difficult patch of schedule. And by Monty suggesting that he also thinks they do have enough, which is what I thought they did. But I, if I had any kind of suggestion right now, as we go forward, as they go forward, it's to clearly clearly identify roles and I think the Kings were doing that at the very beginning but you guys have all watched the last or listened to the last five games I'm I mean I'll give you a couple examples Chemezi Metu wasn't even playing now he's starting Mo Harkless was starting barely plays Alex Len in the mix really out of the mix now Uh, Marvin Bagley was nowhere to be found then quickly was one of the first subs in the bench off the bench for two games Terrence Davis, in the prominent mix, no longer plays. I think you have to, my opinion, identify who you have, what you've got, communicate that with your players, and then it changes when there's an injury, when there's clear-cut poor performances for a length of time. But I, I just think at this point, again, we're not that far into the season, but there's 65 games to go, something like that. And you're still juggling stuff and still moving it around like you're searching, like, hey, let's try 10 things here. I, I just, I, I would request that they go with the group, identify it, and just go forward. And the other part of that, too, is almost strip it down to its basics. I know they're going to still, Alvin Gentry will still talk about rebounding and defense, and you don't ignore it. That's not my point here. What is this Kings team best at? Find it. Find that again and expand on it and grow from there. This team is best in transition. This team is best offensively. That's their strength. That is what they are the very best at. So become great at that or as best that you can and then find the other pieces. Right now, I think they're trying to get the other pieces and maybe, maybe long-term, maybe long-term it's going to help. But right now they need to stop the bleeding. They need to redirect this, get some wins. They can get back in the mix. They're really not out of the mix, which is sad. And that's what I've been saying. I don't want them to be a top five or a top 10 team at a process of elimination, but that's what they could be based on the bottom five. But right now the Kings are one of the teams in the bottom five. So much more on this. There's lots to discuss, lots to dissect. We're going to get into more of it coming up, but right now let's give you more first things first. First things first. First things first. All right. Well, now we got to talk about the game tonight. The Kings are in action. They take on Philadelphia, the 76ers, uh, have not been great because, in good reason, uh, Joel Embiid's been out. 
COVID protocols. They've also missed time earlier in the year with Tobias Harris. And then the whole situation of Ben Simmons is hanging over the franchise's head right now. So Philly, who got off to an amazing start, now is 9-8. and eight. After they beat the Bulls, what, about a week, maybe a little over a week ago, two weeks ago, they've lost to the Knicks, the Bucks, the Raptors, the Pacers, the Jazz, beat the Nuggets, and just lost to the Blazers. So they're 9-8. and eight. They're by far a better team than that. But they're counting on other people right now. Tyrese Maxey has done some good things for them. Actually, done really good things for them. That's someone they've been counting on lately. Um, Seth Curry, Drummond gets much more run, obviously, with Embiid being out. But you could see what they could be with everybody healthy. And right now, not everybody's healthy. And that's a big difference. I mean, at one point, eight and two to nine and eight. So they're in the slide. But you know what they're looking at? Oh, the Kings are a mess right now. This is our get right game. We haven't been able to beat anybody lately. Um, They certainly haven't been able to beat anybody lately. They've just gone through a coaching change. This needs to be our night. And that's exactly what Philadelphia is thinking. So if you think about the Sixers, uh, Harris is back in the mix. He led them in scoring the last game with Maxi. I think they start Curry, Drummond, uh, Niang, but they'll play Thibel, uh, Korkmaz, probably Shake Milton. Again, it's not as complete if uh, Embiid was there, if Simmons was there, or whatever you got in return for a potential Simmons deal. This is when you like to take on Philadelphia. Doesn't mean it will be easy. It shouldn't be easy. And I honestly don't know. We're going to talk more about this, too, coming up. But what will be different tonight for the Kings? And when you get a new coach, I don't know how much changes. One of the things might be rotations or who Alvin Gentry maybe liked a little bit more than Luke Walton or disliked. But we won't know that until the game goes and we see him in his minutes and rotations and when he calls timeouts, coaches challenges, all those kind of things. So, I mean, I'm going to give Alvin Gentry a clean slate. There's there's no doubt he's been a longtime coach, a respected coach. It's just um, he he's inheriting a team that's in a bad way right now and early in the season, which seemed a, a bit of a curious move. To me, I understand it. It's just I can't help but look at this and think it's just a change. Will it be for the better? It could be, but I have no idea. I really have no idea. I think it's just a change. So we'll see. All right, let's get you more. First things first. First things first. The 49ers after a three and five start are roaring off the deck with back-to-back wins this week to get to, to five and five. 49ers win it by a score of 30 to 10. All right, 49ers, much better, much better. This is two in a row, and this is exactly what we talked about late last week, and this is what was needed for this team. They had to do this, was to go across country and win and control a game, control the line of scrimmage again. I don't know how many times they need to say about this. these guys, play it at their terms, and they did. Um, I have to say the way the game started when the 49ers went on that uh, – Gosh, was it 19-play, 20-play drive that took almost the entire quarter? It was beautiful. All of it was beautiful. And then three points (laughs) to start the game. But they exhausted basically the quarter, get three points. Important thing is they got points. But after that, they started getting more, uh, a few more touchdowns than field goals. They ended with, what, three field goals, three touchdowns, 30 points, and a complete controlled performance, low stress, never really a thought that they could lose the game. Jimmy G., 
again, I'm, I'm going to love this stat line. He's had a couple games where he's thrown for over 300 and 400 yards, 300 yards, I mean, and a bunch of touchdowns. Well, 16 of 22 for 176 and two scores. Love it. Love it. No interceptions. Debo Samuel was a good runner. They went to a Jeff Wilson yesterday as more of a, a, a volume carry guy. Sermon ran a little bit. Uh, spread the wealth around his receivers because you know Kittle and Samuel have been their uh, well Samuel's been their best weapon as a receiver a receiver but was a good runner yesterday Kittle can be a, a weapon but good to see Brandon Ayuk contributing and getting his work in so it's exactly what they needed and by getting to five and five things have now opened up for what seems to be a really big game this weekend against the Vikings who got their win. Uh, Nice win, really nice win against the uh, Packers yesterday. But this sets up kind of that fringe teams we've been talking about, six through seven in the NFC. Two spots, and Minnesota right now is sixth, technically at five and five. Saints five and five. Niners five and five. So there are six, seven, and eight. Eagles five and six. Panthers five and six. You know, Washington's right there now at four and six. Falcons. So it's open. It's open, and the Niners, by winning the last two, really helped propel themselves. And we get so caught up in how teams start or little ruts they get in. The last couple of years, what's been interesting is right about now, this point or since there's 17 games, maybe in the next week or two, who starts to kick it in and really at the back end of the season, you go, man, that team is hot. Maybe at one point they're like the Niners, five and five. Let's say they end, I don't know, six and one the rest of the way. And they're an 11 and six team. Feeling a lot different about them, right? I don't know if that's what they're going to be, but the point is Tampa, I think, was uh, six or six and five, six and four last year, and then they won out a uh, year before. I think Kansas City did something like that. So it's it's about when you're playing your best, uh, trying to stay healthy. The Niners started with two early wins, hit a, a rough patch by far, but now it feels like they found their groove again, and this will be a really good game for them against the Vikings on Sunday. And... You're back at home, a place where you finally broke through with a win against the Rams on Monday night, last Monday night, and you get an opportunity uh, with the Vikings this Sunday to to keep it going. So Niners needed that. I think it was important for them. I think they looked good. And, yeah, we can argue about the opponent. That doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. In the NFL, if yesterday also didn't teach you anything, I mean, how many times is this going to happen in the NFL where teams that we think we know about these teams, so many first-place teams lost yesterday. It's hard. It's difficult to win, and the 49ers going across country and beating Jacksonville, I know there's the pressure to, you have to, but they did, and they weren't in jeopardy of losing. That was ideal for them and a good for the Niners. More of the NFL coming up at 4.30, but let's give you more First Things First. First Things First. Close things first. In the words of the king, Elvis Presley, Viva Las Vegas. <laughs> As the Bengals come to Allegiant Stadium for the first time ever and beat the Raiders by the final score of 32 to 13. All right. Then there's the Raiders. Started just fine, right? No, Nobody really separated themselves at the half. Uh, Raiders were ahead. No, they were down at the half, 10-6. And, but, you know, it felt like anybody's game. Nobody really had established themselves. And even through three, the, the Bengals had only added another field goal, so... Still at the point where, man, the Raiders' offense hadn't really clicked. It's anybody's game. And then it just, 
just kind of fizzled and another slide. And it feels a little bit like what the Raiders have been doing the last couple of seasons. They play some good football. They certainly aren't the worst team. They haven't been. And they haven't looked like the best team. And I feel like they're in that middle ground. So what does that mean? Fringe playoffs. That's what I still think they are. That's what they can be when it's right. I think they look pretty good uh, with some flaws. When it's not, it just it just looks off, looks bad. And they've slid the last two seasons at the back half of the season. And right now, another loss yesterday after a what a stretch where we were really praising the Raiders when they made it to five and two. Now they're five and five with losses to the Giants, uh, the Chiefs, and then yesterday the Bengals got them, and it ended up being pretty comfortable at thirty-two to thirteen. Um, just collectively down the line, it, it was just disappointing all the way through. Carr, not great. No running game. And Lincoln, when we talked to him again this week, I mean, he has been saying this is not a run-oriented team. And they just can't get, I mean, 72 yards on the ground. And I think they had 20 carries. Just nothing. Not effective, not efficient. Where Cincinnati ran much better. Doubled that up and they carried it more. But they made it a point of emphasis. And, you know, Carr threw a pick. Got sacked a couple times. I know the Raiders fumbled. It just, well, Carr did at the end. Um they need to find it again. They just need to find it again, and I don't know what happened to this team. They made it through what seemed to be more trying things off the field. Now they've been locked in on the field, and it just looks like they're lost their way again. And for them, can you find it? Sure. We always say you can. Short week, they go to Dallas, who uh, I thought was going to be a, a monster game yesterday with the Chiefs. It, it had its drama, but <clears throat> Dallas... Certainly without a couple of weapons and C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper didn't look as effective. But that's a tough one to go cross country on a Thanksgiving or not cross country, but you know what I mean. Travel, short week, prep, Cowboys are good offensively. Um, it would be a great win for the Raiders, but we might be looking at a team that's lost four in a row and dips below 500 uh, for the first time this season. We'll see. They're five and five now, but still more to go. All right, now more first things first. First things first. First things first. first. All right, tonight, week 11 wraps up with the Giants and the Buccaneers. Unfortunately, that game won't be heard here on Cage to Cage tonight because of Kings basketball. But uh, Buccaneers now 6 and 3, Giants 3 and 6. If anything, the Giants have uh, defended better than their offense has been. I still like Tampa here, but as I said earlier, the way the NFL has gone this season, you just never know. But it sure seems to me like the play is the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right, one last thing here on First Things First. First Things First. All right, we're going to jump into just a little bit of baseball because uh, today it was announced the new Hall of Fame ba- uh, ballot for Hall of Fame candidacy it was released today. David Ortiz, uh, Tim Lincecum, Ryan Howard, Alex Rodriguez are among 13 First-time candidates on the Hall of Fame ballot for the Writers Association of America. Now, there's joining other holdovers. Now, this is where this upcoming Hall of Fame voting will be interesting because you've got the steroid-tainted stars. I'm doing with air quotes here. Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, they'll make their 10th and final appearance on this ballot. Also, Kurt Schilling, who was close but uh, fell 16 votes shy. Schilling appeared on, what, about 71% of the ballots, Bonds 61, and Clemens 61 as well. There had been writers in the past that said they wanted to punish, and this would be a punishment. If you're voting for them now, 
I just think either you you think they're in or they're not. I don't think it should be I'm the jury and I'm going to punish you. I hate that thought. If you if you say you firmly believe that they cheated the game that was once highlighted by baseball, um, then that's your feeling. That's your feeling. I don't I don't think that way. I'm not a voter, so it's irrelevant. But I would put Bonds in. I would put Clemens in. I always wondered about Schilling just on his own merit. But sure, I have no problem with him going in. I think Clemens and Bonds are no doubters. But if you're of the camp that say, no, they cheated, well, then sure. I just don't think the Hall of Fame is as holy and as pure as those uh, suggest. But that's fine. Uh, we disagree on that. Uh, let's see others. Justin Morneau, Jimmy Ronalds, uh, Rollins, excuse me, Jake Peavy are also new to the ballot, along with Carl Crawford, Joe Nathan, Jonathan Papelbon, Prince Fielder, A.J. Perzinski, and Mark Teixeira. Other holdovers, uh, Todd Helton, Bobby Abreu, Mark Burley. You had Tory Hunter, Tim Hudson, Andrew Jones, Jeff Kent, Andy Pettit, Manny Ramirez, Gary Sheffield, Sammy Sosa, Omar Vizquel, and Billy Wagner. So it will be interesting to see what happens with the votes when that is uh, all crystallized um, as uh, ballots must be, I think that's completed by the end of the calendar year, and they'll be announced, yeah, in uh, the latter part of January. So always something to watch, always something to uh, follow, but it's interesting where I think really the story to me right now is a final year for Bonds and for Clemens. All right, we got to come back. We got to get into the Kings and uh, the decision to remove Luke Walton and to go with Alvin Gentry. We will do that as uh, we get started here on Sports 1140 KHDK. We continue here on Sports 1140 KHTK. Jason Ross with you here on this Thanksgiving week. As are the Kings back in action tonight here at Golden One Center when they will be taking on the Philadelphia 76ers. All right, so much more to get into. We got you started there on First Things First with a lot of the storylines going on. And we kind of touched on uh, the obvious news and stuff we're going to get into here for a while. Uh, The coaching change. Another one. Another one. Man, this team has been in such a bad way for so long, and it's frustrating. It is absolutely frustrating for the organization, certainly for the players, for the fans utmost that have been. You know, the players kind of come and go, and they get here for a two-year window, one season, five years, six years, and move on. But the fan base, uh, some of you have been here for all 37 years of Kings basketball, 20 years of it, 15, 10 no matter how long you've been a fan, you've uh, seen more losing than winning, even the great years. I mean, the totality of this franchise here in Sacramento has had more losing seasons than winning, and that's an obvious statement. But I, I was really – I don't – I can't say I'm surprised by what happened with the announcement yesterday because my my real belief on this, and as honest as I can be about this, and I'm always trying to be honest, I don't really hide anything from this, I don't know that I would I agree with it. I understand it 100%. And it's not even a case to defend Luke Walton because I don't think well one it's worthless now. Two, um I don't even know if that is as much the point is why now? And if the answer is did you see Friday and Saturday night? Yes, I was here. I watched it. It was awful. But I, I guess where I'm curious about the overall decision is when you had Monty McNair in the off season, 
come to a podium or a Zoom. I can't remember how it was all done. And, you know, he didn't hire Luke. That's It's pretty common. And we were all wondering last year, well, if you read the history of sports and history of scenarios, generally general managers want to hire their coach. So it was a difficult spot for Luke already when Monty comes in here because Vlade hired Luke Walton. And obviously the team wasn't that successful with Luke in the year that uh, Monty was here so far. So I thought if if Monty gets rid of Luke last summer, I could see it. I really could. And I would understand it. And when he decided not to, and whether, you know, I say Monty, it should be ultimately his decision. There may be other chefs in the kitchen. But the point is he fully endorsed Luke, came back with a lot of the same pieces, and they expected and wanted different results. And after a 5-4 and four start, when things looked pretty good, and there were some games that I know he recited that we played earlier in First Things First, that should have gone another way when they were 5-4 and four, but didn't. And then now you're in a stretch where the team has gone 1-7, and seven, and it's been, it's been a really difficult watch. And that's where context takes place. The 1-7 and seven has been bad. And it's the neighborhood of the nine-game losing streak, which the organization said they can't go through again. So if it's just that, and I want to say just because, again, I don't want to trivialize what the Kings rut they're in right now, but it feels to me like it's just a change. And that could be just enough to get out of this direction. But is it? Players are all still here. The same coaching staff is here. And I guess why I say why, if this was done in the offseason, if Monty didn't endorse Luke Walton in the offseason, then you have an entire pool of coaches who you could search, look at, available, might like, might love, whatever it might be. That is your entire pool. That's, I think, your best chance at that point. I mean, more candidates. Let's put it that way. Now, your list of candidates is basically the coaches that are currently on the bench. And Alvin Gentry's got a ton of experience. He's been an NBA coach. You know my feelings about Doug Christie or uh, Bobby Jackson or um, and Mike Longabardi, whoever else they might have even thought of. Gentry, to me, makes a lot of sense. I get it. But it's just what was the decision now? And, um, I mean, look, Twitter fired him two weeks ago. I mean, Twitter's been done with Coach Walton. The fans, I think, in the last two games – I mean, we were here. I was here. You probably may have heard it over TV if you weren't here. The fire Walton chants were going on, and, you know, I get it. not going to tell you how to fan. That's not it. It's if you firmly believed in the offseason this was your coach and then this is the stretch that did it, then you think you've got a better team. You're putting it all on the coach, really. And I know the coach is the one that falls on the knife. You're not trading every player today. But when December 15th comes around, when more players are available to be traded across the league, is there long thoughts and deep thoughts about really making some moves for the roster? I think a lot of things have to be in play, but it, to me, my, my saying I've been talking about for the last day since this has been made, the decision, for lack of any better term, I feel like they're chasing their tail constantly, constantly, trying to get right, but I feel like what they're trying to get right is a decision that they made in the past, and they're chasing it all the time. That's my feel. That's my opinion on this. Uh, let's hear Monty, some more from Monty yesterday uh, when he's talking about how really the team should be doing better and the goal still is the postseason. Like you said, the, the five, five and four, five and five start, um, We again, I thought we could have been even better. We had a few games that, that we let slip. Um, you know, what we've seen over the last 
eight, nine games is, is not Kings basketball. Um, my job is to f- put us in position as we've stated, our goal is to make the playoffs. And until we get there, we're going to do everything we can, um, to make the team better, to, to put ourselves in a position to, to get back there. And, um, you know, so to me, it was, it was not any one thing. It was, it was, um, you know, really a, an evaluation of everything of, of where we've been and where we're at. You know, the other thing, and, and, you know, when you, when I, or we play audio like this and then you listen to it, I mean, I watched Monty live yesterday when the press conference was going on. Um, you know, some of it is, is unfair in the sense that you want to pick apart words and, and phrasing. Sometimes you're up there and you're, you're, I, I don't want to just say spitballing, but you're just talking. And sometimes things come out that you mean, maybe you don't mean, and it's phrasing, but, um, was there other pressures? Um, did Monty fully believe in this? I, I think the one thing phrasing in there that I just go, it's not Kings basketball. Okay, well, I would ask that. What is? What is it? What's the identity? What is this team? I think he said in other times what he wants to be. He thinks they could be the fastest team in the league. They play fast, wants to play faster. Okay, sure. We haven't seen that yet. Maybe it can still happen. But what is it? And sadly, what it's been is a losing team. I mean, that's the reality, 15 years of losing. And in this year, there's been more moments that you can see, like, all right, this looks to be better. But to what extent, to what level, what are we comparing that to? Better than what? I, they're not the worst team in the league. Great. But are they the 28th, 26th, 20th? Where are they in there? And they're, I'm going to go back to what I thought from the beginning that I thought would be a strength is the amount of games this core had played together. And the fact that, for the most part, they were in a lot of close games early on here. And that group, to me, should have figured out how to win those games. Now, is that Luke Walton? Sure, he's the head coach. But it's also the players. It's also the roster that's been constructed. Um, Can Alvin Gentry change that? I find it in the history of the league, it's more rare that an interim coach turns things around in such a dramatic fashion than like we saw last year with Atlanta. Atlanta was believed to have a great team, did a lot of work in the offseason, fired Lloyd Pierce, moved in Nate McMillan, and then they became a different team. And they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. That is not anything I would expect to happen here, but generally... You kind of are the team that you are. And when Monty says that's not Kings basketball, I, what is it? I haven't seen it unless I mean, unless we're watching it now, and that's what they are. Is this a team that can? Yeah, they can come out and beat Philly tonight. They could also lose the next six. They can win, win a couple more games, then lose a couple more games. I mean, that's generally what five hundred teams do. And if you're around five hundred or a little bit less, a little bit above, that you're going to get some quality wins. You're going to have some bad losses. And that's the nature of the league. There's only a handful of teams that have separated themselves from the very top or the very, very bottom. A lot of it is in that other range. And uh, the Kings are unfortunately uh, in that group. Uh, Let's hear from uh, Monty some more here about um, kind of making this, he believes, will uh, making this decision will help the team. The guys in that locker room – you know, as we entered the season, uh, a tough schedule, and and really, even the games we lost, we felt like we should have won a lot of those. So, I think the belief is there, uh, both in the locker room, uh, among the rest of our staff. Um, you know, obviously, we don't take these decisions lightly, but this was one I felt was necessary to do that, to do just that. Okay. Again, back to the point of 
it feels to me like it's just a change. And, you know, with Twitter basically booting Walton two weeks ago, the fans here at home, understandably, booing him, booing the team. Um, but tonight, the same roster's out here. For, it's basically the same coaches that also it's just not Luke Walton's voice that's the last voice. What will be different? What will be different? We don't know that yet. We'll try to dissect that and figure out more when we come back. More sound, more reaction from Monty McNair. And also, what will be different with Alvin Gentry? We'll try to parcel that all out when we uh, come back right here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Back here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Jason Ross here with you. Remember, coming up at 5, Dave Deuce Mason will be joining me. Look forward to getting his perspective on all the things that are going on right now with the Sacramento Kings. And so tonight, it's a new opportunity. Alvin Gentry takes over. And kind of already shared some of my thoughts on on where this is. And, and But now you've got to go forward. Now it, it doesn't even matter what has happened in the past. It is about moving on. It is about the next day. It is the reality of sports. And Gentry knows this better than anybody. I mean, Alvin Gentry's been around a long time, has coached in 17, been a head coach in 17 different NBA seasons. He's taken three teams to a postseason. He's been an interim multiple times. And, you know, I don't know if his last job with the Pelicans after he was removed there, if he ever thought he would be a head coach again. But here he is, was a lead assistant on Luke Walton's bench. And now he's the one that gets the opportunity. And... You know what's interesting to me, just even the labeling of it, I get the phrasing that he's the interim coach, but it's 65 games. Feels like more like an, than interim to me. That's basically, there's still a ton of games to go. And, you know, what's what's the thought process here? I mean, really, what is the, uh, the belief? If Gentry, the goal, we heard Monty, we played the clip last segment, the goal is still the playoffs. Okay, I don't think your goal should change, not in, in the amount of games, the way they're playing, that'll never happen, but you can redirect, right? They were five and four. They could turn it around. But if your goal is the playoffs, it's got to stay that way. And if you do that, is that your coach going forward? If you don't, are you in the search again? I mean, it's just, there's a lot of things, back to my analogy of chasing their tail, chasing their tail from the past decisions. Well, let's hear more money talk about uh, this yesterday on uh, on going with Alvin Gentry. Oh, it froze there. Hang on. We'll get that for you in a second. Chris, let me know when we got that back up and running because, um, like I said, I think it made the most sense to go with Monty or go with Gentry based on his track record, his NBA experience, but a lot of the offensive principles allegedly are his um, with this team. Not that Luke – of course Luke had input. I think hopefully all the coaches have input. Um, but it's a situation where – Gentry, based on his experience and based on the pool of coaches that they were looking at, made a lot of sense, I think, for the organization. But to have him be your guy for the rest of the season um, and possibly more, I guess, I think it's really now a wait and see, which kind of almost goes back to if it was a wait and see, then, you know, you had one voice that was this coach that you decided before the season to start with was Luke. Then why now? Was it strictly based off the context of the last eight games? And maybe it feels like a change just to change. But your your personnel, your groupings, everything else is going to be the exact same. And uh, we're looking for 
for different results there. But, again, you uh, look at his track record as far as Gentry, uh, Heat, Pistons, Clippers, Suns, and Pelicans are the teams that he has coached, been a head coach for in the NBA, and he's been an assistant at other points. Chris, is that thing still frozen back there? Oh, okay, so let's uh, let's hear more from Monty uh, talking about Alvin Gentry. Yeah, I think Alvin, um, you know, certainly in the rest of our coaching staff, there, there will be some continuity, but also uh, Alvin's done a, a great job at, at many different spots. Um, I think Alvin's seen a lot of things. He has a wealth of experience, and uh, I think Alvin will, will put his stamp on things. But, um, again, we, we've shown we can do this. We just have to get back to it, and we have to do it consistently. All right, so, again, that is Monty believing enough in the roster that – what the way it's constructed today, they think they have enough to be a playoff team. So what will be different? What will Gentry do different? That one I don't know the answer to. We have to watch and see. Um, he's been His track record in the NBA has been, at least in the last couple teams, like the Pelicans, that team could score. They couldn't stop anybody. Well, that's a little bit of a similarity to the Kings, I think, based on hearing Luke's constant messaging over the last two years of defense and rebounding. Um are very strong and, and core principles that should be worked on and need to be worked on, but wasn't making enough of a difference to this team. Now, long-term, if he had even more time and they really broke through, maybe it would have uh, made them a more well-rounded, more dangerous type of team. But until they can even get to that next level, which they haven't been able to achieve, I say go with your strengths, which for this team, the way it's constructed now, is still that backcourt, it's still pace, it's still offense, I mean, that's the other troubling thing here in this slide, how poorly they've scored a shot and scored with an emphasis of trying to find these other guys to contribute. Um, it just has kind of set things all out of whack, and it's been a tough watch, that's for sure, watching these guys play. All right, let's give you more from one more from Monty uh, when he was asked about other potential candidates, including our guy, Doug Christie. Yeah, Doug's been great since coming in. Uh, obviously, former player, former Sacramento King uh, and his energy and um, you know playing experience has been awesome. He'll continue to be a, a huge part of of our coaching staff. But um, you know Alvin just brings a, a wealth of experience. Um, somebody who has seen it all, and um, we felt he was best to lead us going forward the rest of the year. You know what this reminds me of, and I, I'm not even disagreeing with that. And as much as I would love for for Doug to be, I, I'm a little bit all over the place on my probably too close emotionally on that when I'm thinking about Doug. But it reminds me a little bit of analogy of someone Trey Lance, right? You draft the young uh, phenom that you think is going to be a big part of your future. But like game one, you know that you can just go out. There. You're not even worrying about Jimmy G breaking the huddle, looking at a defense, understanding a blitz and all that stuff. And not that uh, Lance can't get it. It just there's a comfort. There's someone that's been there, done that and done it well at different points in the league. And I think that's with Gentry. Now, on the counterpart of that, I've seen plenty of people say, Doug's not ready, Doug couldn't do it. What does that mean? Of course he, he can. Um, we can give you, I'll give you four examples in the recent five to ten years here, and I think what it'll illustrate is what really makes a difference in the NBA specifically is your roster. Uh, Steve Kerr had not coached in the league before. He played. He was a GM. He got the coaching job of the Warriors. And, oh, by the way, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson. Oh, and in the mix, they would ultimately add Kevin Durant as well. He was wildly successful. Wildly successful. And not saying he can't coach. Of course he can. A little bit easier when you've got a, a core group 
that has been there, done that, and been successful, and then you add on to it. Uh, let's take another one. Steve Nash just started, just started coaching, came from kind of that warrior front office, had been around that organization, has played for a lot of different coaches, great player, Hall of Famer, and then he goes to Brooklyn and has his first year at least, Kyrie, James Harden at one point, and then Kevin Durant. Very successful. Didn't get all the way to the end, but favorites coming into this year. Right now they don't have Kyrie, but he's doing very well. Jason Kidd didn't have an opportunity to coach before he was a coach. Just got thrown into the fire. Um, had Giannis, early Giannis, with, with the Nets, an older veteran team that didn't quite uh, connect. But he's on his third job already. He's on his third job without having any experience prior to that. And then the other one on the extreme, too, would be Derek Fisher, who at the same time Kerr joins the league. He went to the Knicks, got that job, and uh, was one and done. You know, Not one done, but one opportunity and done. So you've got the Knicks, who at the time were broken and not winning, and Fisher, I can't even tell you if he's a great coach. It doesn't look like it because they didn't win. That's how we label coaches. Uh, Kid has moved around twice. Uh, now he's on his third job with Luca in Dallas, and Nash and Kerr are on their, still on their same first jobs, but they no one would argue that they, I mean, they've had the best players by far. So players help. I mean, there's no coincidence that um, the best run here, the Kings had really good players, but they also had a really good coach. It all kind of fit perfectly together in the at very end of the 90s, most of the early part of the 2000s. So, um, yeah, it's interesting to see where this goes. What's the future for Gentry? What's the future for this coaching staff? If Gentry is successful, um, does he stay on? If uh, Doug's name was mentioned, is he the next one they're grooming? Do they do a full search if and when that next opportunity comes? I mean, these are questions we have now. Certainly no answers until there's, uh, you know, volumes of games to have a, a better idea of what we're seeing. But tonight's the first chance. Um, there is the change, so it will be different. And I already get the feeling here in the building that when Scott Moak introduces the head coach, Alvin Gentry, he'll get applauded. No one has a connection here to Alvin Gentry, but it's because it's not Luke Walton. I think that's what the reaction will be, right or wrong. Fans wanted a change. Fans wanted a, a pound of flesh. They got it. And, you know, you can't trade De'Aaron Fox. Or you can, but they're not trading or firing players. The coach is the one that always goes. And in this case, it is Luke Walton. All right, we'll come back another hour ahead. we got to get into the NFL this week. But when we come back, more on the Kings, including this weekend. Let's get to the, the way the team played awful on Friday. Three quarters of something you can handle on Saturday. Fourth quarter, no chance. So we'll get into that one of the Jazz game, the puke game. Uh, we'll talk about that and more as uh, we begin the 4 o'clock hour next here on Sports 1140 KHDK.